1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you. And that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. And now, on to today's show. All right, listeners, hello and welcome to this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. I've got an outstanding guest for you all today, Dr. Alan Patterson. Uh, Dr. Patterson, thanks for being
1: with us. It's my pleasure,
0: Earl. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about the conversation that we're getting ready to have, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And and listeners, here's what I want you to know about, uh, about Alan before we get into the conversation. He is an organizational development consultant specializing in executive leadership development. Having led hundreds of clients for over four decades, Dr. Patterson continues to ignore standard coaching methods, opting to pursue and lead clients down the path of meaningful careers that are not only successful, but also rewarding. He's worked with everyone from the Federal Reserve Bank to Hewlett Packard to Major League Baseball and the United States Navy. His new book, and one we're going to be talking about uh, quite a bit as a backdrop for this conversation, is titled Burn Ladders, Build Bridges, Pursuing Work with Meaning and Purpose. And with all that uh, background behind you there, Dr. Patterson, I'm very curious to hear how you answer the first question I start out, all my guests. When you hear the words responsible leadership, what does that mean to
1: you? Well, first of all, it sends chills up my spine because I've spent 40 years uh, plus working with many hundreds of individuals on that on this very topic. I, I when I first saw the question, Earl, I had to think: Is that? with all due respect, is that redundant? I mean, isn't leadership responsible? Is there such thing as irresponsible leadership? But then the more I thought about it, I realized it just confirms the way I've looked at leadership and the way I've approached it, and that that leadership is a skill set. It's often looked at as a position But the skill set is really one of effective influence. So the way I define effective leadership is the ability to influence how people think and feel to the point they take decisive. And here you go. Responsible action. So responsible leadership is creating responsible action in the people that that leader is uh, is, is, uh, responsible for. And it, it the way it happens is because people are not just connecting with other people, it's that the leadership aspect is that they create the conditions for other people to be responsible and to be effective.
0: Mm. I, yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. And, and, uh, that's why, you know, listeners, uh, you can probably already tell that, uh, uh, Alan and I are, are kind of really in lockstep with a lot of this because, you know, when I was coming up with, with the name of the podcast and, and my longtime listeners know this, uh, you know, it started out as the Burden of Command uh, podcast. And, uh, I had an SEO expert, uh, come on the show and we chatted afterwards and we were talking about traffic and that sort of stuff. And he talked, you know, was talking about the name. Nobody goes on, uh, Apple and looks up for a podcast for burden and nobody looks up for command. So when we were talking about the name, I got, you know, uh, was, how can I stay close to that without very much deviating from what I want the show to be about. And so we settled on responsible leadership for many of the reasons that you said there. Um, because sadly, I, I think a lot of leaders th- that you kind of alluded to there—they get thrust into this position of leadership without fully appreciating all of the responsibilities that come with it, yeah. the the psychological care, the 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 mental well-being, and and the relationship-building piece uh, of not just the person that works for them, but their, their family and their friends and how that impacts their 24-hour their life, right? Right,
1: exactly. One of the, the favorite questions I use, Earl, uh, in workshops to tee up motivation and then how you can define skill sets and behaviors is to get people to think about the best boss they've ever seen or had And then the worst boss they've ever seen or had, you know, and uh, as you alluded to, I did some work with the U.S. Navy, both with the active Navy and the in the reserve. And everybody, uh, uh, not everybody, people that have not had military experience, they say, oh, you know, the military is uh, lockstep and and some of the best descriptions and the best people uh, leaders that I've worked with were people in the military. Military understands what leadership is and, uh, and also teamwork. But what I find most important is that the, when you hear descriptions of the best boss, inevitably they talk about someone that had your best interest at heart. Someone that could be firm, but fair. Someone that was a big one is a teacher, a coach, a mentor. So you don't get in in the good leader. You don't responsible leader. you, You get the sense that this is someone. It's like, why would they do this? Why would they have your back? And it's because they realize they have that responsibility and i just think that's amazing and then of course when you hear about the bad boss that people have had it's it's incredible how similar those characteristics are you hear i've heard ego and uh, uh, teflon uh, management nothing never sticks uh, uh, always looking out for themselves uh, not having your best interests at heart and, uh, and in some cases, incompetent, just not technically competent. Uh, and it's such a sharp contrast. And I, I'm probably saying something that you allude to every episode that, again, I don't look on it as just the top level of any organization. And we say, oh, well, there's the leadership. Well, some of those people shouldn't be there because they're not leaders and they're the distinction between managers and leaders and military does a great job here. Well, who do you want leading you into battle? A good manager, a good leader. And yet a good leader is also a good manager. They're able to to get things done, but the leadership part is really the, as I'm sure you describe it, Earl, it's the emotional part. It's the connection part. And we see it now more than ever, I think. I mean, everybody probably complains about the current, <laughs> the current state of affairs, whether it's the 1920s or the, the, the 2020s. I just think that leadership is uh, such an untapped resource and there's no mystery behind it. There doesn't need to be a mystery behind it. If you think of it as a skill set, that means these are things that you can learn and some people are natural leaders. They're the lucky ones and they have a, a set of attributes, but I don't dwell on that attribute side as much as the the behavior side, because once the behaviors are there, it's what, what do you change first, the way people think or what people do? And psychology would say, well, work on the behavior. I think in writing this last book about burning ladders, there's also a a way of changing people's thinking. Uh, It's harder to start with that. Uh, But when all is said and done, I think effective leadership is all about the way people think and ultimately all about what they do.
0: Yeah, no, I love that, and and uh, talking about changing the way people think, I I, I like that about this this concept of uh, you know being a ladder burner. So you know, let's talk about that for a second. In in you know the title of the book, "Burn Ladders, Build Bridges," pursuing work with meaning and purpose. You start with burn ladders. So so, what is a ladder,
1: and why should it be burnt? Yeah, I know. It sounds like you better call your local fire department before you, <laughs> you, before you let them know that you're in the air and you could be burning a ladder. Uh, several years ago, I was working with someone that was helping me uh, understand what I needed to do, similar to you, about getting materials up on the internet. And I was asked, well, what is your value proposition? And of course, I ask people that, and I, I don't know the answer when somebody asks me that question. It's like, well, I'm not quite sure, and got a little snarky. And then it's, well, who's the enemy? And I, Who are you helping your clients, uh, or what are you helping your clients address the dragon that you'll slay with them, for them? I said, well, that one's easy. That's the corporate ladder. And the more I started to think about it, it made me realize, and it really is more autobiographical, Earl, than I would have thought at the time, because I never really had interest in working for an organization where I felt that there wasn't a level of commitment uh, across the organization, maybe a, a, a purpose. And I Realize that I didn't do well in organizations that were so lockstep that if I did X, Y, and Z, there would be a promotion to the next level. It's not that I don't believe that has a purpose or a place. It's that I don't view life and career development as linear, so that was my personal bias and got me down this, okay, let's go burn some ladders track. And what I mean by that is is that it's adopting a different mindset that work can have meaning and purpose. And so many people want to diss the Gen Zs and, and uh, the younger generation now I don't know, I'm kind of charged up by knowing that there are people that are willing to ask questions about their lives and their careers. And the latter is built with the understanding, the the implicit promise that if you do well and do good work, that you're going to get a promotion. Now, you're you're the military person. I'm not. I heard stories in the Navy and review boards and uh, the, the experience, the cards that have to get punched. And it seems like it's all lockstep. The reality is that once you get into the world of work, the latter is not an objective measure. It's not a, a, a so lockstep, and it's because it's not based on performance. It's based on the judgment of performance. So if you want to have any influence or control over that, you have to understand how you influence, can effectively influence other people. Oh, that sounds a lot like leadership, a leadership skill. And it is. It it, it definitely is. So the burning ladder mindset is I will take control of my career. I can do that. Like, can you design? You probably couldn't do this in the military, but maybe you could. I don't know. You'll have to tell me. But I say, could you design your own job and sell it to your boss? You bet. You mean that's allowable? Of course it's allowable. People, there are people that do that all the time. Yeah. And that then moves toward, well, what's the building bridges part? I'm saying that's the core. That's the Those are the actions that you take, the skills that you use, the practices that you adopt. And to your point, Earl, it's all about building relationships. Beyond a certain point, your career has nothing to do with you. You want to get smart about something. You want to get good about something. That's what you do. That's why I I tell people that even in their first jobs, I I don't know how important is your first job. In the scheme of life, it's not as important as probably the third or fourth job. Because you're getting grounded, and you spend the first part of your career, I'm arguing that you're going to most people are going to work in ladder climbing organizations, right? And there, there's nothing wrong with that. You just have to understand how things work. And there appears to be a black and it a black to be a black and white world, and it's not. It's filled with gray. So there are many opportunities where you can uh, take the initiative to help propel your career forward. And the building bridges is not the end. The building bridges is the means. There is no end. That's the way I say it. It's not like, okay, well, the goal is to build relationships. I'm saying no. The goal is to have a a career with meaning and purpose. And the way to get there is beyond that ability to create a base of competence and credibility. You spend your career, you develop your career, you live your life, which I think both coincide at some point by focusing on building relationships with people and helping them succeed. And mm. I, that's not a new thought. It, it really isn't a new thought, but it's it was new for me as I thought about can, what is it that I found or find most fascinating about the work that I've done? I, I don't know. I I do know. I can tell you it's it has everything to do with the people that I've worked with. I mean, I I worked with SeaWorld at one point and somebody said their position was they were curator of mammals. I mean, that's not a job title you hear every day. Right. It's like, well, what do you do all day? Well, and I mean, I, I just find that fascinating.
0: Yeah. Well, no, and I love a lot of what you said there, especially, you know, talking about, about the military, because, you know, you're, you're right up to a, a certain point there where it's very rigid. It's about time and grade, time and service. Yeah. Uh, but that's usually about the first, uh, in most instances, about the first four promotions, at least in the Marine Corps, right? You can pretty easily guarantee that yeah. if you do the right things, you show up on time, you, you, you do the bare minimums, you're going to make it to Lance Corporal and probably to Corporal. Uh, but from there on is where a lot of these things kick in. It's one of the things they started right in boot camp. Uh, I remember our drill instructors telling us, uh, talking about promotions and rank structure. And, and uh, my senior drill instructor, uh, Sergeant Buck, he says, look, he goes, here's the one thing you got to remember uh, about, uh, about the chain of command. People get promoted at different rates. And they fill billets at different rates. So don't treat the person who's your equal today like they're inferior to you because they could be your superior tomorrow. Right. And and, and you know we we saw that right. And, and you talk uh, once we got into the the sergeant ranks, E five and above, it was about you know that was where the relationships and stuff kicked in. What did you do above and beyond your baseline duties, and and you know how did you build? these relationships, right? If, if you are going up because, uh, you know, usually there's a scoring system that comes out and you have to meet a certain score to be eligible to get these promotions. And then depending on what rank uh, you are, uh, there's usually a board that has to be convened to figure out, okay, we've got five sergeant billets, but we've got 25 people who are qualified. Well, I can tell you right now, uh, if you've taken the time, done your job correctly, built relationships, people know you, especially superiors. If you're the one that has a letter in your file, you know, from a colonel endorsing you, you're much more likely to get that promotion over the other 24 folks there. And, and I, that's why I love this, you know, and, and we talked about it before. My listeners hear me talk about leadership is just a relationship. All those same things that require a personal relationship to work require for a professional relationship, and this piece you're talking about here uh, is is a very key piece of this. And I like the idea of burning that ladder down because I think you're right. A- at some point in time, in most organizations, unless you are that super laser focused that doesn't care about anybody else and climbs the corporate ladder as fast right. as you can, right? you realize that the latter is just
1: a, a, a construct that shouldn't exist in an organization. It doesn't work. I mean, it, it it is documentable how it doesn't work for at least 200 years, and it's not a whole lot older than that. It doesn't work for women, and it doesn't work for people of color. And now when you take the way in which organizations are changing so rapidly, you look up and I don't know that you can see the top, the top can get, or the higher levels, the rungs get sheared off. Some company comes in and buys your company. How many CFOs do you think are needed if you were a CFO? And you know that too, even if you looked at it, so-called middle management, you, you know, look to your left, look to your right, but probably neither one of you are going to be there. And so the level of uncertainty is there. And I, I don't think it's that you have to be scared of this. This is not that, it's not a, a scare tactic. It's understanding what it takes. I had someone the other day, Earl, when I was ha- having a similar discussion and they said they love the image so much because there's not room on the ladder. There's and and it, it is 100% ego individually achievement oriented based. That's how it works. You may yeah. think that it's a group activity. It isn't. It, because it it it's when all is said and done it's it it's all about you. But you think about, well, the bridge, just to use the metaphor, that bridge can be filled. As a matter of fact, I'm, I say you create the context. Who's on that bridge? Yeah. Well, it's people that you've created relationships with. And to me, I want to be real clear on this. I understand that many of those relationships, like you said, through four promotions, which is very similar to what I see in, in uh, business and industry, Many of those relationships that you create initially are instrumental. What I mean by that is that you and I work together. We have something we're working on, or I need your help to get something done. So you're in the critical path. Nothing wrong with that. What, what, what's, who's, who's, how, how could you possibly say, Oh, no, don't build relationships? And yet a lot of people don't. Is they just taking the time to say, I need this from you, and then they wonder why they don't get it? Well, I don't know. If somebody bugged you about something that you and you didn't know them, uh, didn't have any sense of who they are or felt that they understood you, you'd be at the bottom of the list. I, I used to work with a, a very large company, and part of the workshop, I would bring in the lawyers uh, to talk about, contracts, not that I was in any way talking, I was talking about how you build relationships uh with your business partners and who are your business partners. And lawyers would tell me to to, to tell the group to a T to the person that anytime they get brought in at the zero hour to bless a contract, they're not going to do it. Yeah. But if you have and you say, well, I'm going to build a relationship with a lawyer, it's a little sleazy. It's not sleazy at all. (laughs) Who do you want on your team? And so if if you've got that legal counsel, that relationship, that's something that helps you in the short run. But the relationships beyond that and these could be your your could be relationships for life. So it's not like they necessarily go away. But who knows, Earl, I don't know if we'd recognize each other on the street 10 years from now because uh, we're not seeing each other. But sometimes those relations pick up after years. There are other relationships, though, that when you find people that share your views or, or, and what you have in common about what's important, these become relationships that can extend over a lifetime. And are they friendships? I I think that it's much more than that. It's what gives you purpose. What's a, I say it's a kick. It's not, that's the, I heard someone recently as we were talking about that say, you know, what's the difference between a moment of happiness and joy? Joy is the kick. It's not that Carolina finished second in the basketball tournament this year, it's like nobody expected that of them. You can tell I'm a Tar Heel. It's like, that's just a kick. How cool is that? How enjoyable is that? How much fun is that to talk to people that feel the same way? And it's, it's, I'm saying, couldn't we fill our lives and our careers with those kind of moments? And I suspect that's how you seek out some of the people that, or, may, or all of the people maybe that are on your show it's why wouldn't you why wouldn't we have these discussions? Right. Why wouldn't we care? Why wouldn't we challenge people to say are you working in a situation especially if you you know when people get stuck 15, 20 years in their career, you're saying, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? I think that's worth I think that's a wake-up call. Then yeah. don't don't do it.
0: No I, I I love it I love I love everything you're saying and, and you're right and that's how i viewed this idea of the ladder and, and you know uh, to me and, and I know you talk about uh, you know the the, the concepts of, of games and I'm a big fan of uh, uh, the whole concept behind uh, finite and infinite games uh, but that's how I've kind of seen that ladder right is it's it's a construct to, Uh, to play a finite game where you pit each other against each other as enemies competing for that next rung on the ladder. And your idea of, of the bridge building, the relationship building, you know, that, that takes the ladder out of the equation. And that puts people more on on that, that infinite game footing where you can build relationships and, and never knowing. And I like the way you put that never knowing what the future of that relationship is going to hold. It could be nothing, or this could be the person, as, as we kind of talked about here before, this could be the person that when this organization uh, is acquired, their position gets cut out, they go and start the next startup. And the next thing you know, they're coming to you and say, hey, I want you to be my executive vice president of such and such, because you built that relationship. Exactly. They had an opportunity and, and you never know what
1: those opportunities can lead to in the, in the future. And that's exciting, right? It is. And, and that to me, that's that's w- when I was interviewing uh, p- some people in the for this book. And if if you read the fine print, you'll hear about two or three people that I grew up with. So it's like, OK, how how scientific was the sample? It wasn't scientific at all. <laughs> These were, <laughs> um, uh, you know, it, it nothing at all. But what. What is so in, was so intriguing to me about thinking about ladder burners, Earl, is how often they talk about things being serendipitous and and uh, just by chance. And you know what? I don't buy that for one minute because that's the way you choose to move in your career. It's all these happenstance. There's, there's, there, there. That's you're waiting for that to happen. Oh my gosh, you lived in, uh, Irwin, Tennessee. Oh well, that's kind of neat. Yeah. And it's like, well, how did it happen? That it? Why? Why would we even go in? What does it matter? It's like, I don't know. How much have you been to Asheville recently? And it's like, I. What I'm saying is that level of what people think is serendipity. I don't, I say it's, that's how this works. That's exactly how this works. That's where the excitement comes in. How do you, how are discoveries made? How is, how does innovation take place? I mean, I've worked in with people inside R and D organizations. And, uh, I, I remember there was a, a study done. Uh, years ago uh, at Bell Labs uh, when they were the premier research organization and the the question was who were the best scientists at Bell Labs? Mm -hmm. And the finding was the best scientists were characterized as the best teachers. Mm. And that blows me away. It's the people that it's like, I'm not. There's a knock on your door. A door, and Earl, do you have a few minutes? I want to get your. I want to get your idea on something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that is that again. And people don't do that if you haven't taken the time, uh, to to build that relationship, right? They they're not going to come to you. They're not going to ask those questions. They're going to see you as that resource. They're going to see you as a barrier versus uh, versus someone that they can come to. They're going to see you as the enemy versus the friend. Right. And, and that's why I, I love this here. And, and, you know, that, that taking ownership piece and, and, and owning, uh, I, I like your idea of owning your destiny because, you know, and I'm sure you've probably been asked this question a, a thousand times, just like I have, but people like to ask the question, what would you change about your life? And my answer is always nothing. you you haven't had anything bad happen to you? Oh, I've had plenty of bad stuff happen, but every one of those things turned me to where I am right now. You take away one of those pieces. I've had exes that have cheated on me. If they haven't cheated on me, I wouldn't have been married to my wife right now for 22 years. And I wouldn't change a second of that. And and, uh, I think people really have to grasp that piece of Uh, of their life, of that destiny, of what you're just talking about there. You never know what this thing that looks terrible today is the key piece to your future for tomorrow.
1: I, I, I I was writing something yesterday. I sound like I'm always, you know, thinking about this stuff and it's like, well, not always, but quite a bit of time. But yesterday it's like, how much of our lives is a rear view mirror look? And it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a kid. And it's like, I just want to, I just want to, why, why live that way? And this isn't even about living in the moment. That sounds, uh, while there's nothing wrong with that, I I say, and it sounds hedonistic, you know, we're going to live in the moment and live for the now. And, and I, by the way, I believe all that. I do some meditation and I understand the importance, but (laughs) what we've lost collectively and why I ended the book with, <laughs> with a commencement address to my kindergarten class or the place <laughs> I went to kindergarten is because that level of curiosity and that sense of making it up as you go and that joy that you get from uh, literally on the playground is has been engineered out. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for vanilla. And maybe I'm more, or let me say it this way, maybe I'm less cautious, I I am, than I know other people are about uh, making commitments to get things done. And sure, I'll help. And then finding myself getting overwhelmed, or uh, maybe I buy a stock that other people wouldn't buy. But I think the the difference is and this is the $64,000 question. If you're old enough to remember the $64,000 question. Oh yeah. Is what do you think engagement is? What engages people? I mean, now there's a lot of interest and we have to engage people. What does it take to engage people? This isn't something that's an organizational responsibility. I I write about that because I said, no, you own the engagement part. How would anyone know what's critical and important to you, Earl, more than you? And you say, well, uh, you didn't say this. Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a sheet of paper and two columns And you didn't tell me this, so I'm not. So I want your listeners to understand, you know. But somebody that would would be prone to say, "Okay, I'm going to take all the stuff that I like and put on the left hand column, and all the stuff I don't like, I'm going to put on the right hand column. I'm going to make a decision. Baloney! It's not going to happen that way. It's not a rational process. To know what's critical, what motivates you, what gives you joy, it's not rational." It may give you some insight. I grant you that. It's like, oh, here I see. I like, as someone told me, I like not only the ability to figure things out, but to to, to see my progress right in front of me. Okay, well, that, that's fine. That's good. But the way it happens is what you and I are doing now. It happens through... T- taking action and having these conversations with people and there are a lot of people a lot of very bright people that are much smarter than me much m- more eloquently uh quoted that uh, one being professor abara that talks about you don't you, you don't think your way out of being stuck in your career you take baby steps and it's like well that's good advice. That's that so what motivates that it's there's there's no judgment and and the folks the people that are listening that feel that well you have a lot to lose you find yourself in a job it's a paycheck you know with all the stuff we've had to deal with in the last two and a half years. I need a job, I need a paycheck. I have kids I have need to put food on the table. I appreciate that. I'm not saying that money's not important. I'm saying that money's very important. It's that when you look at your life or think about what it is that where you can make money, it's just a question of how much, I suppose. And I'm saying you, you can connect with people and have incredible jobs. It may not even exist today because you, you can make it up. It didn't exist. And that's possible. I'm saying that's very possible. So I'm jazzed by the fact that it's an open field to your point. This isn't a matter about, okay, we get in a huddle and uh, how do we score a touchdown? And even then only one person's going to score and get the credit for it. Really? This is the field is open here because you, you're creating the context and it will change. Or another way of saying it is, you don't change, I say, is a ladder burner. You don't change the rules. You change the game. Yeah. And part of changing the game are who are the players and what does winning look like. And that's something you get to decide.
0: Wow. And, and I love that. I mean, uh, it reminds me of two, two quotes. One goes unattributed. I really wish I knew who said it first, but uh, it's, uh, this is, change is changing faster than change has ever changed before. Uh, And I I think that is, I I think that sums it up perfectly because yeah, I mean that uh, old model, like, you know, that's the thing, right. As soon as you break the huddle before you get to the line, keeping up with the football analogy here, you know, the, the game's changed and that plan that you drew up in the huddle, if you are determined to stick to it, you're determining that, that you're going to fail because that just will not work with the way that the game has changed. Uh, but the other piece there that you hit on reminds me of a, a friend of mine, Frank Gustafson. Um, he he said, and I, I don't know if he came up with it, but I'm going to attribute it to him because he's the first person I heard say it. Uh, but he told me, he said, Earl, you know, what I realized was I, I'd spent a lifetime filling my bank account while emptying my soul.
1: Holy mackerel.
0: And I was like, yeah. And so you Holy know, he's, he's turned it around and and really started. Uh, building these relationships. But but what I love about all of this and what you just said there, because this is what I, if I preach anything, it is what you just said is have the conversations. You know, your example there, I I worked with a, a leader one time and he almost did exactly what you said. He had a Google form that he had all of the new hires fill out asking all of these questions about them. And it was a very cold, it was a very mechanical process and to his credit, he would use it. He would, he was trying to be streamlining and, automated
1: yeah,
0: yeah. and you know, you would get this automated happy birthday email from him. Yeah. Pretty yeah. cold and mechanical. It's like, just go have the conversation, right. learn what drives your people. You'll learn what they're passionate about, what they love. And you talk about the, you know, creating your own job. Maybe you're going to hear them talk about, hey, I love to do this, that, and the other thing with, let's say, social media, and you don't have a social media presence. Well, now you can say, hey, I want you to take over our social media marketing campaign because this is something that you love, and and you've create, helped them create their job alongside them just by having conversations, being present,
1: and learning who you have on your team, right? Amen. Yeah. Precise. That's it. It's not you it's it's not the blackness or whiteness well let me stay it and say it another way because it's it's such a clear image for me. You know how when you go to the the movie theaters there's generally like seven doors that you could exit from right? Well somebody opens one door and then everybody feels compelled to go through that one door. I'm saying, no, (laughs) the door next to it, what's the likelihood that door's an exit too? Why can't you just use it? That's like he's saying, it's like, what if I identified an opportunity as as, uh, one of your employees and said, you know, coach, I've been thinking about this. We have this issue and I wonder if I went over and spent three months in accounting and get to know those systems better and the people there. If that'd be something, yeah, go, let's yeah. go and try it. Yeah. And, and people will often feel that well, like, one, I can't do that. And two, well, my boss would never let me do that. And here's my advice there. And this is pretty radical. I realize it's like, if that were true, if the, you know, the culture's not there, and the boss wouldn't do that, then I would ask you to think twice about where you're working. Yes. I'm not telling you to quit your job yet. I'm just asking you and I'm going to call you up, Earl, as my colleague. And I realize, you know, there's a lot of written about this is colleagues and family and friends want to protect you and may not always give you the best career advice. Nonetheless, I mean, I'm not going to strangers on this. I'm going to say, tell me, you know, is it me or is it is it? this situation. I had a a young fellow, brilliant, brilliant scientist, brilliant and extremely uh, professional and the nicest guy you would want to meet. Dr. Patterson, do you think I should do this? Yes, do it. He he called me about three weeks ago. He hadn't talked in a few years and something popped up on LinkedIn that caused us to connect wanted us to chat. He wanted to chat and he said he was working for a person now that was telling him, oh, uh, his previous boss told him, yes, go go take that job in, instead of in R&D. Go, go work in supply chain because you want to find out what's going on there. Take that job uh, working with the accounting department to find out that piece. That's great. That's going to help you in the future. His new boss said, You're not doing your job. Why are you doing all these other things? Just do your job and do what I tell you. (laughs) And I said, it seems to me that's, that's, there's, there's, I said, I, the order of events, I see it is one, you'll be gone. And I wonder how long it'll be before that person is gone. Right. Because people aren't going to tolerate that. It's not that if you had someone you were working for that told you exactly what to do as you were getting oriented into the job, that person's a godsend because they want you to succeed. But when you start working for and everyone has worked for or with a micromanager, that's the death knell to high achievers. That's the last thing they want. They want to understand goals and where we're headed, yeah. but they don't want to be told what to do If as a professional. And, and you see this in leadership all the time, right. you take the best person and you put them into the, make them the manager. And that's, they'll never be a leader. They'll be the manager. And they end up telling people what to do. And it's like being the best and the brightest can be a curse when you move in those positions. I need to go to people and some of this is just with humility but it's more the exploration part. I mean I'm I think in the last 2 weeks i all talking to people it's got me jazzed up to say this is really exploration. People want to talk about lifelong learning. Well, you know what? I think I'd rather think of this I don't even know how to use a compass right, but I'm hoping you do. I know you do. It's <laughs> like let's meet up in the mountains somewhere. And let's see if we can get to uh, Irwin, Tennessee by a different route. Yep. Let's try. And it's I, like, Earl, I don't know what I'm doing. Hey, <laughs> I don't know. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll figure it out. So, okay. and, I,
0: I love it. I love it because this is, and, and I think, and, and I've said this before on the show, and I hope people listen to what you were just saying there, because everything that, that Alan was just talking about, and, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I know we're we're hitting on 45 minutes or so here, but I really want to hear your thoughts on this piece. I tell folks this, right, what, what you were just talking about there, that is what's driving this great resignation. Ugh. People are hung up on this idea that people don't want to work. And I always say, no, you're missing a few words. It's not that people don't want to work. People are telling other people that they
1: don't want to work for them anymore. Right, right right yeah. yeah and 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 I I had you know create created been thinking about questions you know to what extent is ladder burning uh, related to the great resignation I, I I don't know maybe this would be my final act my final a- a- a act of my life's play uh, and that is, maybe ladder burning is going to be the new way of work and i don't and what i mean by that is that people will take realize they'll take they need to take more ownership they need to take ownership for their career now i'm going to say that and i'm with that i'm going to say nobody has instant credibility. So you have to build that base. And that's what, even when you're new to a job, but clearly when you're new to a, uh, in your career, I, I'm a little probably over the top on this. I almost don't care because what your first job is or what your second job is. If you're doing two things simultaneously, one is that you're good at it, especially if it's a professional Area, another, you know, another word, something that you have training around, whether it's specifically in a technical area or even the liberal arts that you're grabbing into something in particular. Because by the time you get to the third, the fourth, and definitely that fifth job, and I don't mean different company, nobody cares where you went to school. Nobody cares what titles you had before. I guess some people may care of what kind of money you made. The question is, um, are you the person to be able to create the conditions for other people to succeed? Do you know how to do that? You're not a player anymore, Earl. You're the coach. Yeah. So you can't you can't get on the field. Can you make that leap? And that's what I'm saying. Let's get those people really revved up. those are that's the leadership part of this and that never goes away. I don't care whether you burn ladders or build ladders. Uh, one thing I will say don't burn bridges that's 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 a mixed metaphor but for me but what I, I it doesn't you build that base and then you look at what the possibilities are. Let's go orienteering. Come on, buddy. Let's do it. I love it. I love let's it. just do it. Oh, I, you know, I've got all these other commitments. Don't abandon your commitments. Let's just go.
0: Bring them That's along cool. for the
1: ride, right? Bring them along for the ride.
0: <laughs> well, Dr. Patterson, I have loved this conversation. We have, oh. uh, we, we've covered a lot of territory here and, and I've just been sitting over here with a big old grin on my face because- I always like to hear people who are smarter than I am say some of the same things that I've figured out. So I love it. Um, I know we covered a lot of territory here, uh, but before we we do close out, is there anything that you really want to leave listeners with before we close out?
1: I want to emphasize the importance of no one cares more about your career development than you.
0: Mm.
1: And leaving it in the hands of other people, as good as many organizations are and are getting, it's still not enough. You have to own your career development.
0: Love it. Perfect. And I hope listeners, I want you to take that, uh, that piece right there to heart because it is absolutely 100% true. Uh, all right. So, Dr. Patterson. Uh, people want to find out more about you, what you do. They want to get a copy of Burn Ladders, Build Bridges, uh, Pursuing Work with Meaning and Purpose. Uh, what is a great place for them to go find out uh, all the information for that?
1: Well, uh, this is not ironic that uh, the name of my website is ladderburners.com. There's a lot of information there on uh, some of these topics, blogs, uh, newsletter. Uh, um and that so that would be the best place i also have a linkedin uh if you connect with me there i've got a ladder burners group (laughs) i think it's. i don't know it sounds like the renegades but that's okay (laughs) um and the book the book is available anywhere books are sold amazon of course being the the biggest but uh barnes and noble and uh, go to your live big Support of local bookstores. Go in there; I'm sure they can order it for you.
0: Absolutely love that. Uh, wow! No, this has been a great conversation. I just want to thank you for spending the time with with me and my listeners today, having this conversation, getting this uh, ladder burner movement. Uh, started as you said, I know it sounds a little on the radical side, but you know it is. This is a it's a radical way of of thinking of things and and getting people motivated around it. And I'm glad you're championing that cause and uh, giving people permission, so to speak, to take ownership of their careers and and build bridges and burn those ladders. So thank you for being a guest. Thank you for having this amazing conversation with me and my listeners on this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast.
1: Okay. Uh, thank you, Earl. This is just really great. And it's, it's an honor and pleasure to, to speak. with you.
0: Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at Earl at leadership phalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X, Com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode.
1: Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, Trick-ass.